The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Hey, welcome to the Crack House Chronicles. I am Donnie, your host, and with me is a man that wants to go back to the old days when we used to measure temperature by topless witches. It's Dale. <laughs> That's right, man. <laughs> I bet the scientists just hate that, don't they? They do. They hate it, you know, especially to bring out them brass bras. <laughs> <laughs> it's colder than well diggers' ass. No, it ain't. It's colder. <laughs> we just did in the brass bra. Okay. That's cold, man. <laughs> Take that out. Nah. Oh, well. Nah, that's what we do, man. That's funny stuff. Yeah, people like it. That's right. What's going on, bud? Oh, well, getting ready to do a good show here, man. It's a uh, nice weather. I'm feeling good today. I think we about shook this sickness shit, and everything's good, man. Yeah, everybody's good. I think uh, I like it right here in the new Batcave. Yeah. So really, really good good deal here. Yeah, we got a good setup now. This, like is, this is awesome. Yeah, feels and, like home, don't it? Oh, it does. And we're going to get some more stuff and make it more user-friendly. Yeah. And we we'll might post some pictures of it later on. We might. We might. We might not. Yeah, we might charge you a dollar on Patreon to see it. Yeah, we might do that. <laughs> but we appreciate everybody that listens to us on our platforms. Oh, we do. Yeah. Thanks. You guys all just came back in a rush for this last show and made me, made me proud. Well, Dale, this is going to be the last episode for this year oh no 2021 i'm sad but we're gonna be back in 2022 with some more good stuff good man. stuff yep but in the meantime while y'all are missing us till the end of the year <laughs> go to the store page i got yeah, yeah. i got the i had hey i haven't put it in there in a you while in uh well never mind. i was gonna say if you order by the night you can get expedited shipping but you won't hear us tonight <laughs> no just go to the store page get you some merch help support the crack house help keep the lights on that's right. You should have had it on your Christmas list already. If you ain't, you're about too late. Yeah. But you should have. And shame on you if you didn't. Yeah. Shame, shame. Shame on you. And also go to Apple Podcast and leave a rate and review. Click that five star. Dude, we're going to get into our last episode of 2021. That makes me sad. Well. Don't play that in Paul. It always makes me cry. But hey, we got some new stuff coming for 2022. <laughs> okay. But we are going back in time. For this episode, man. You better hurry. People's going to bitch because they're taking way too long. Yeah, more than two minutes. Let's see. We're already <laughs> we're already three minutes in having started our case. Man. Yeah. That's okay. Yeah, but we're going back in time. It's an extended episode because it's our last one. We'll yeah. choose it for yeah. an This is going to be a doozy, too. Let's go back in time. Yep. And we're going way back to the year of 1905. That's way back. Over 100 years ago. Speaking of, your birthday was your day. Happy happy late birthday. Well, thank you. I had a really good birthday yesterday, but every time everybody listens to this, it'll be several days old. Yeah, but they got to see that cool picture I made. Yeah, it was very cool. Yeah. Okay. Actually, a little bit of backstory on that picture. That that picture was taken at scout camp a few years ago, and we had um, a theme that year. It was a Wild West adventure theme or something. I had a cowboy hat on. It was perfect. Oh, yeah. It's just caught in the moment. Yeah. Love it. Love it. Yeah, that's it. It's just a goofy picture. That's this, man. One of many. But yeah, we're going back to 1905. <laughs> and Dale, this is in Blue Mountain, Alabama. Alabama. Alabama, which is right near Anniston. 
Alabama. Alabama. Yep. You got to put an R on the end, right? Alabama. And this is when Nanny Doss, she is the topic of our discussion this week. Nanny Doss, she was born in 1905. But she wasn't Nanny Doss then, right? No. She was born Nancy Hazel. Nancy Hazel. But everybody thinks that's just a nickname that the nanny was just a nickname for her, that they called her. Yeah. Well, you know, a lot of people thought it was uh, because she was a grandmother, you know, because that's a grandmother nicknamed my nanny but it was it was just for nancy yeah so there you go you learned something already yep and her parents were james and louisa hazel james and, and dale there's a lot of speculation that james may not have been nanny's biological father no from what i gather um he wasn't and uh she was she had uh nancy out of wedlock and then louisa uh, did yes and uh i think her her Paul and Ma back in them days, they didn't like that too good. And I think uh, she got a pretty good beating and some other stuff over that because it was pretty bad, bad stuff back in them days. And uh, they kind of frowned on having babies out of wedlock. Yeah, she had been out running the roads, whatever, you, whatever you say. Mm. But anyway, uh, she met James later, so he came in. So I don't know if she actually even knows who the biological father was. Yep, but I think her family shunned her because of this. I'm sure. And I, I think it was without her that they'd done that because she wouldn't tell him who the real father was or she may have not have known right she might have been running a lot of roads might have but even though louise was pregnant she was able to get some jobs and earn some money from odd jobs from a couple people around the neighborhood in this blue mountain area up until early 1905 when she gave birth to her first child and this was nancy after louise gave birth to nanny uh, she was proposed to by a local farmer his name was james hazel like we mentioned before and it didn't seem to bother him to take on louisa and a child most time these days you know guy they say well you know he steps up married a woman with a child you know he's adopting the kid you know he's kind of take that baby yeah but this guy he wasn't too nice Mm -mm. he was very abusive to louisa uh, verbally and physically and he even would hit her with a cane that he used on the farm so that ain't, that ain't good at all. No, he's just old farmer. And as soon as Nanny was able, she was put to uh, work on the farm. Oh, yeah. That's pretty much what they did back then. Yep. And James and Louisa, they had four other children. And one of them was a son, and the other three were daughters. So he had a whole bunch of farmhands. He had five kids. And all of them was working, I'm sure. And Nanny being the oldest. And she was one that took care of the younger siblings. Mm-hmm who were babies while her mother and father were working on the farm and she would feed the siblings and wash them and even change their diapers but keep in mind she was literally a kid herself right and when she was five or six years old this was in about 1910 they were you know other kids her age was just starting school but yeah, she's basically being a mom yeah she yeah. was working on the farm and they made her stay at home take care of the younger kids yeah didn't want to go to school no. Got too much stuff to do here. But James was so strict that he saw himself as the ruler of the family, and everyone had to do what he said. And as soon as the children were old enough, Dale, he also put them to work on the farm. Mm-hmm. And he would occasionally allow them to go to school, but not a lot. No. But most of the time, he demanded they stay at home and work for him, and he cared very little about getting any proper education for them kids or anything like that right well you know a lot of times back in those days that, that's the way it was you know if if uh if your family was a farming family that's what you did yeah you know and 
you already was dirt poor and trying to live off a farm and if you're trying to raise enough to make money on the farm too you, you sure couldn't pay farmhands so you were the farmhand and a lot of them were sharecroppers yeah yeah just doing somebody else's land yeah let you live on the land uh, yeah and that's why i think you know they had so many kids back in because they, they needed all the help they can get so they just mm-hmm. yeah i mean you talked about the air about this earlier yeah. but nanny she developed a love for reading dale mm-hmm. and when she read a book it was like she was in a different world and then she could sort of i guess escape her home life and just be somebody different right well you can't blame her yeah at least she knew how to read yep that's a plus she learned how to read yep yeah definitely but she developed a dream deal of having the perfect romance of her own and one day in the future she wanted the perfect romantic future right you know i think she was when she was reading stuff she'd grab her mom's magazines and books a lot of those were romance novels true romance true romance and that kind of stuff so you know she was all dreamy dreamy yeah so reading in perfect stories and everything was perfect which is a far cry from farm life yep yeah. kind of like watching the hallmark channel now yeah. i guess fabio comes <laughs> swinging in yeah. <laughs> but when nanny was about seven years old she was involved in an accident mm-hmm. and i think this would affect her for the rest of her life yeah and it happened when their family were traveling on a train and they were they were going somewhere in Alabama. Yeah, they were traveling down south and spend the weekend with some of James's family Yeah, that lived down south. And while they were on the train, Nanny was reading her romance magazine just to, I guess, to pass the time. And this when the driver of the train had to slam on the brakes. Yep. I think it was a pine tree or something had been knocked over on the tracks. Uh-huh. So I'm sure he must have locked it down, you know, because you don't expect a train to do that, you know, but... Mm-hmm. I guess the tree will do it. And you can't stop him on a dime. No. Maybe a nickel, five pennies. Yeah, but it, <laughs> like we said, he slammed on the brakes, stopped the train, causing everyone to fall forward. Yeah. She slammed her head into a rail and was on the back of the seat in front of her. Yep. Yeah. And I think she was unconscious for the rest of the trip. Well, it was, it was quite a bit of time. I don't know how long. Yeah. And uh, her dad, or James, wouldn't allow her to have medical attention. Mm-mm. Even though she said she was having, well, when she woke up, she was having headaches and all this kind of stuff. Yeah, migraines. Mm-hmm. And she would also experience blackouts, and she would go through periods of depression. And, Dale, we've talked about other serial killers who've yeah got bumped on the head. Ramirez. Yeah, Richard smashed Ramirez. Smashed in the head with a dresser. Yeah, dresser drawer fell on him or something, yeah, yeah. wasn't it? Yeah. Trying to climb a dresser drawer, slammed it on his head. Yep. So, so this would, you know, something she would point out. Later on in life, as she probably thought this was a major thing that changed a lot of her life from here on out. Yep. But, you know, she never did go see, get any medical advice. So she you know, really don't know how bad, if she had permanent brain damage or concussions or, or really how bad it was. But well, back then, they didn't, they didn't take kid, people to the doctor if they got hurt. No. You well, had to be dead or dying. Rub some dirt on it. You'd be all right. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. But Nanny, she began to, in her teen years, to grow a hatred for her father james mm-hmm. she didn't like his controlling attitude and he would not allow his, his daughters to wear anything that would i guess enhance their appearance yeah dress up he didn't want them dressing up he didn't want them wearing makeup he didn't want them he didn't want them just to be like pretty you know yeah makeup and fix their hair up and all that kind of stuff and they weren't to have any interaction with boys or anything like that because he was convinced that if his daughters made themselves look attractive 
mm-hmm. you know, putting on makeup and dresses, they would be molested by someone. Right. Uh, what the heck, man? <laughs> Got to think it is this. And he was so possessive of his daughters that uh, there was one time he caught Nanny recreating a hairstyle that she'd seen in one of the magazines. And James yeah. went in and beat her with that cane. He got pissed off for him. Yep, crazy. Despite all this abuse, Nanny was still wanting some romance in her life. Mm-hmm. However, she could get it. You know, and then there is, there was also, she said, you know, later on that even though he was this adamant about no being around no guys or whatever for stuff would happen, that actually some stuff did happen to her. But it was some, some people like, well, maybe an uncle or some cousins or something had done it. And uh, either he called her or when she told that it happened, he didn't believe her and he got on her about it. Yeah. So it was like he didn't want, I guess, maybe his kids. But when something happened to her, I guess he blamed it on her. Yeah. Or some kind of stuff like that. But I don't know. I guess we'll get into that when we get into it. But before I forgot, I was wanting to put that out there that it's kind of weird that he was so controlling. But yet when it happened, he, he, he didn't get pissed off at the people who did it. Yeah. This makes no sense. But Nanny, she was so obsessed with the idea of some handsome man falling in love with her and taking her away from her abusive father. And pretty much she spent all of her time reading about love and romance. Mm-hmm. And I bet she wore them pages out. Oh, yeah. And she started reading the Lonely Hearts columns in the magazines and newspapers. I guess this is like, you know, you're putting your ads in. Back then, it's kind of like the, I don't know, Tinder now. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. You put your name in the Lonely Hearts column and see what you can get. Put your name and address and see who will write you. Yeah. That's crazy because, you know, you think it's bad enough <laughs> now you don't know what you're getting. You just send a letter out to somebody that's just a name yeah. a name in a newspaper and you have no idea what you, what you, who you're talking to. And about this time, Nanny was about 15 or 16 years old, and she started looking for her own job because mm-hmm. the family farm wasn't really making much money, and and she had to help with income. Yeah, that's probably her. I figure that's her angle. She probably was telling her dad if she got a, got a job, then she could bring some money in. Just to get out of the house, to, man. Yeah, to help at the farm. And he's seeing dollars, and she's in a way out. Yeah. Yeah. So at 16, she started working at the linen thread uh, mill factory. It was like a like a mill that made thread in Blue Mountain mm-hmm. there in Alabama. And I think she seemed to enjoy working there. Probably. She made a lot of friends and was very popular among her co-workers and it was while she was working there she met a man met a man and Charles his, Braggs Charles Braggs and he was 17 years old tall handsome young man <laughs> and he really liked uh, Nanny he was smitten smitten that's what they used to say <laughs> back then he was yeah. smitten and I'm sure she was in him too because it was uh, anybody but her parents anybody but James yeah somebody showed a little attention she was probably head over heels mm-hmm so she could probably picture herself in the romance magazine. Yep. And Nanny seemed to like him. And surprisingly, so did her parents, James and Louisa. And they invited him over for dinner one evening. And they took a liking to him. Mm-hmm. So it was about four months of dating. They got married. Yeah, I think his, even her her dad was pushing him to get married. Yeah. But get this, Dale. They were ended up living with Charles's mother. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, Lord. And that, she was controlling, too. Yep. Yeah. Like, and what the hell? Yeah, constantly critiquing Nanny, everything she did. She was overly protective of her son and possessive. Yeah. It's probably the better word. Yeah, nothing she did was good enough for her boy. 
And, you know, with the mom living there, they didn't get any time probably to themselves. Well, they got a little bit. Yeah, but. They got a bunch of kids. Yeah, they had kids, but that was probably the only time they had to themselves. Yeah. But I think his mother just put a strain on their relationship. Oh, yeah. And, and well, Charlie like said, was, you know, she scrutinized everything she done. Nothing was good enough. And, well, basically not seeing her own faults in herself. She's just constantly nagging her, I'm sure, especially if he wasn't there. Yeah, and all these romance magazines she was reading, this wasn't the the romance that she was looking for. Yeah, she wasn't looking for this. <laughs> none, none of them had, had Mama living in the, yep. in the house. So despite about two years after Nanny and Charles were married in 1923, Nanny gave birth to their first kid. Mm-hmm. And within the next three to four years, she gave birth to three more kids. So in total, they had four children. Yep, so they had a little bit of time. All were born very close together. Nanny found it very difficult to care for these kids you know she'd think it'd be not that big a deal for me now she's been doing it since she was five yeah you know, taking care of kids stuff up because you know but you gotta keep in mind though she had that hit that head injury you know <laughs> yeah, and it, it probably didn't she, help none it shifted a lot of stuff yeah so to cope with all this with the stress of life she got to drinking some alcohol yep like him her. and dale she got to cheating on her husband charlie hmm and she would go to different bars, drink, and sleep with different men. But Charlie was being unfaithful, too. Good gracious. He was having multiple affairs, and he would just go away for several days at a time and drink and cheat on Nanny. So their marriage was just falling apart. Oh, yeah. I think it already failed. <laughs> yeah. But it was uh, one day in 1927, and this wasn't long after the birth of their fourth daughter. Charles came home after he'd been drinking and sleeping with other women, to find that two of his kids had just suddenly died, Dale. Yeah, it was crazy. And the two middle ones, I think their name were Zelma and Gertrude. Yeah, they just passed away. Yeah, from what I think that they were fine at breakfast and dead by lunch. Yeah, that is that is crazy. Yeah. And the doctors pretty much believed that the cause of death was food poisoning. Right. And it was some some so, kind of cereal or something that they had ate for breakfast. But Nanny seemed to be heartbroken about the loss of her two kids, and her husband Charles wasn't buying it. And he had his suspicions that this was no accident. And Dale, in fact, he believed that his wife Nanny had actually poisoned the kids herself. He's a pretty smart feller. Yeah. The stress of having four young children, and yeah, he believed that she'd got rid of them. Mm. So it was just um, one night Charles packed his bags, and uh, he left. Yeah, he woke up with the oldest daughter. Melvina and they left. Yeah, I think the he left the youngest one because she was still nursing, but uh, he took the oldest daughter and got the hell out of Dodge. Yeah, yeah, the youngest one was uh, Florine. Yeah, but just uh, let you know that Charles was the only husband that she didn't kill. Yep. So we're gonna get into get into more right here. Mm-hmm. Fixing to pick up. Yeah, in, in 1928, you know, Charles returned home. He came back, but he had a him and his daughter came home, but you know he had a new uh, a new woman with him. Oh, and uh, he wanted a divorce. Yeah, I think his new woman was a widow. Yeah, and she had a, a son of her own. Right. So they all came in and then told her that she wanted a divorce, and uh, Nanny agreed because she wanted one too. Mm-hmm. So she packed up all her things and she went back to her parents. Yep. To the farm. Back to the farm. Taking her two remaining daughters, Malvina and Florine, with her. Some names, ain't it? Yeah, and uh, Charles just moved on with his life mm-hmm. with his new family, and yeah, he just he just got out lucky. Yeah. 
barely escape. Yep. So I'm sure she fell right back in to read Mama's book. <laughs> yeah, and she was still looking for that love of her life. Mm-hmm. And she was still looking for one of these men that she'd been reading about in her columns. And she had uh, been started talking to a guy, uh, actually a 22-year-old. His name was Robert Franklin Harrelson. And he was a factory worker from Jacksonville. He was uh, actually two years younger than her. Hmm. And he was 22 and Nanny was 24. Right. And they were exchanging letters. Yeah, that's the oh. way they communicated. They couldn't text back in. But it yeah. Was, it was letter texting. Yeah. And Nanny would send Robert pictures of herself and they quickly fell in love. Oh, yeah. And they married and moved in together in a two bedroom property in Jacksonville with Nanny's daughters. And this relationship was also not a happy one, Dale. Nope. Robert would drink and had a lot. He had a temper. Yeah. Put it that way. And he also had a criminal record. Mm, for assault. Yeah. And he would often go out drinking and would regularly get into fights with people from bars. And he could get quite violent like I said, when he was drunk. You never know who you're writing. So they can say what they want to say. So now she's found out pretty much she's married to her daddy, you know, with that kind of rage. Mm-hmm. So you get in them rages and his wife and all that stuff. Yep. But, you know, it's kind of crazy, all this craziness and abuse and stuff going on. They ended up being married for 16 years. 16 years. But during this time, our two daughters, Malvina and Florine, uh, grew up and soon became adults. Yep. And this when their eldest daughter, Malvina, she was 18 years old, and she married a man named Mosey Haynes. Mosey Haynes. Mosey, <laughs> in 1942. And the next year, in 1943, she gave birth to their first child, and it was a little boy named Robert Jr. <laughs> it was it Robert Jr. <laughs> yeah, Robert Jr. Of course, I do know a guy I went to school with. His name was Robert Jr. Smith Jr. Okay. Is that one of his last ones? He went line. <laughs> Robert Jr. Smith Jr. <laughs> okay. All right, go with it, Tim. Yeah, man. <laughs> yeah. And then two years after the birth of their Robert Jr. in 1945, Malvina and uh, Mosey had another kid, and this time it was a healthy baby girl. And Malvina's second birth was quite difficult. Yeah. She had a long, traumatic birth. Yeah. It was very exhausting for her. Yeah, it was so, so bad that uh, Nanny sat by her side the whole time. She yeah. was in the hospital. Yeah. Even at points running people out of the room. Wouldn't let nobody around her. Right. But it was at this point... Doctors and medical staff left the room for only a couple minutes, and but by the time they arrived back, Malvina's baby girl was dead, mm. and the examination of the baby's body showed no, really no cause of death, and the doctors just assumed that, you know, it was because the birth was lengthy and the baby had most likely been deprived of oxygen mm. for too long. So that's but, pretty rough. Huh? Yeah, all that time and all that all that pain going through that stuff, and then she's dead right away. But now, Malvina believed that Nanny had uh, killed her baby. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, she confided somewhere she had. She thought she had dreamed it. Yeah. And she thought she had dreamed that she saw Nanny take a hat pin and then like stick it down in the soft spot in the baby's head. Yeah. Now she didn't know for sure because I guess I'm sure she was medicated somewhat, but it's just what she thought. And then someone else said they thought they saw actually Nanny had a hat pan was twisting it around her finger mm-hmm. afterwards. Now I don't know. Yeah, but yeah, that's up for speculation. But that's what the Malvina claimed that she saw. That's what she believed. Yeah. Yeah, and if there's any truth to it, Nanny had actually murdered her own granddaughter Dale. Yeah. 
But Malvina couldn't prove anything. Couldn't prove it, no. Nope. She knew that probably no one would believe her anyway because Nanny really came across as a loving and caring grandmother. Right. And no one would have believed that she would have... Be capable of doing something yeah, like that. Yeah, exactly. I mean, hell. You know, that's just a, that's a pretty rare thing, I would think. Yeah, but shortly after the death of their daughter, Dale, Malvina and Mosey separated, and Malvina soon began dating another man who was a soldier. And Nanny really disapproved of this relationship. Hmm. Uh, she really didn't like this man for whatever reason. Right. And she told Malvina uh, that she didn't approve of the relationship and was just a few months after the death. This was just a few months after the death of Malvina's daughter. daughter. Yeah. And on July the 7th of 1945, her and her mother, Nanny, had a huge argument. About the boyfriend? Yep. And uh, Malvina decided to go and stay with her father, Charles, for a little while. And she left her son, Robert Jr., in the care of Nanny. Mm. I didn't do good. No. Which pretty much sealed his fate. Mm. And after leaving him in the custody of Nanny, that same night, he suddenly died. Mm. And the doctors weren't really sure what caused the death. And it was just ruled from asphyxia from unknown causes again like the death of his little baby sister Hmm, another accident yeah i guess but it had been reported that she actually poisoned him with rat poison and put this poison in some cookies that she'd baked and then slowly throughout the day she had fed robert these cookies until he died yep that's what happened just like fixing a big old plate of cookies yeah and it let him slowly poison himself yeah damn this woman's heartless boy yep and just a few months after Robert Jr.'s death, she collected the life insurance policy that she had previously taken out on him. So now Nanny had allegedly killed two of her own children and two grandchildren. And her second husband. Yep. Robert Frank Harrelson was next. Oh, yeah. And this was one evening in September of 1945. Frank, that's what he went by. He came home drunk. Very drunk. <laughs> Because he had spent pretty much the entire day drinking with his friends to celebrate the end of World War II. Yeah, a bunch of them came home, and they were just out getting hammered and celebrating. Yeah. Well, of course, I mean, I get that, I yeah. guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So she decided to kill him the following day. Well, he came home and uh, basically forced himself on her. He came home, and he wanted to have sex, and she was like, no. So he's like, well, you either do it or, or some shit's going down, and basically forced himself on her. And so basically he raped her. Yeah. So the next day, she decided to kill him. Yep. So she poured rat poison into his whiskey bottle, and basically he killed himself. Yep. And on the 15th of September, he died. Mm-hmm. And just like Robert Jr., following his death, she collected his life insurance money. And with that, she bought herself a plot of land. Mm-hmm. Little house. In Jacksonville. Right. So now 40-year-old Nanny was single one more time. Single and had some money and ready to get back to writing in the Lonely Hearts column. Yep. And to find her next husband, Dale, it didn't take long for her to find one. And she started writing letters to a man named Allie Lanning, who was from Lexington, North Carolina. Here we go. Yep. Back at home right here. Mm-hmm. And just two, three days after they met in person, they were married, and they didn't waste any time. No, it's crazy. Yep. <laughs> But, you know, she put, she portrayed as being a, you know, just a happy person and, you know, everything was hunky-dory, everything. You never know. You know, it's just like they didn't know what they was getting. She didn't either. You know? Yeah. But just like Frank, her this husband here was an alcoholic. Mm-hmm. And Nanny just couldn't, couldn't handle it. Yep. So she'd just leave. Yeah. I mean, leave for months at a time. 
Yeah. And <laughs> when she returned home, her husband would promise to change and promise to stop drinking alcohol. As soon as he would slip up, Nanny would be off again. Mm-hmm. Travel across the country, cheat on her husband, and eventually she'd go back home. And once she was home, she would be the perfect doting wife for a short while, but he would slip up and start drinking again. It's just mm-hmm. like a constant back and forth. Right. Just a cycle over and over. But in 1950, this cycle ended. And this is when Allie Lanning became Nanny's next murder victim. Mm-hmm. This was just two years after they were married. He became very, very sick. And he had a fever and was vomiting. And he had excruciating stomach pains. And people just believed that he had the flu. Yep. Yeah, I think this one is the one where when he came back, she's like, he knew, she knew where he hid his liquor in he the fire bed. <laughs> yeah, yeah so she went the out there, bed, yeah. dug it up and poured poison in him and buried it back. Yeah. she said, well, you're going to quit. You're going to quit. Yeah. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah, he died from uh, poisoning, but people believe he died from a heart attack. Yeah. You know, back then they said, you know, if uh, they didn't do autopsies unless the family requested, uh, requested it, it yeah. or uh, some other something, but you couldn't just do it. Yeah. It had to be, you know, a court order, I think, or family request. Yeah. So that's why she's getting away with so much of this shit. But people felt so bad for Nanny, they would give her money. Yeah. And help support her. It's crazy. Yeah. What do you think about it? She's probably putting on a good good face, and all this is just such bad luck. I mean, you know, her kids, her grandkids, her husbands, everybody's just dying. Poor old Nanny. Mm-hmm. But for these murders. A lot of sympathy, a lot of life insurance money. Yeah. <laughs> on this one, you know, she collected life insurance policy. But found out later that in his will, actually his house was left to his sister. But she figured out the way it was in the insurance, if something was to happen to the house, then she would get the insurance money off of it. So, I don't know, it was like, it wasn't right away, but it was like, I don't know, I want to say eight weeks, but that might be too long. It was eight days. It wasn't long. It wasn't too long. Not long after that, the house caught fire and burned to the ground, therefore giving her the insurance money and leaving the sister with nothing but a pile of ashes. Yeah. So she found a way around that, too, because she wasn't going to get the house and just pissed her off. Oh, I bet it did. Mm Mm-hmm. Because she just burned it down and got the money anyway. Yeah, it went straight in her pocket. Mm Mm-hmm. Following the death of her third husband. Yep. She moved in with his mother. That's that's crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she just killed his killed her husband and moved in with his mom. Yep. And you guess it? She didn't live too long either. Nope. Nope. And she... Yeah, she moved in to take care of her and killed her off. Poisoned her, too. Yep. You know, this reminds me of so much of Velma Barfield. A lot. Yeah. That we we covered back. I think it was episode 37. Yeah, 37. Yeah. Reminds me so much of that. But Nanny was just so much more involved. She's more wide open by this point yeah it's just crazy how much she just no doesn't even take time for stuff to calm down seems like it's less like well whatever they didn't call me yet yep and it was this point nanny moved in with one of her sisters whose name was dovey yeah and she went in to go help for her because dovey was having uh i think she had cancer yeah and she was pretty bad off so and it was kind of funny you know a lot of people you know didn't say a lot about it but she had never really been much to come around and hang to be with her sister until she found out she was about to die so then she went running down there to to stay with her to to nurse her you know as much as she could Mm -hmm. (laughs) she didn't last long either no and two years after the murder of her third husband nanny married a man his name was richard morton richard morton this was in october of 1952 Mm -hmm. and this time she actually didn't meet him 
through any lonely hearts column. But instead, she decided to become a member of us at a singles club. Yeah, the Diamond Circle Club. Diamond Circle Club. She's moving on up. Oh yeah. Yeah, she wanted to move up some money. Maybe she's trying to get away from drunks and alcoholics. She's trying to find somebody with some money. Yeah. And he was from Kansas, so they were married. And Nanny moved in with him, and there Nanny really started to think that maybe she had found the perfect found husband. Her man. Yeah, her, her dream boat. Anyway, he didn't drink, didn't seem to be very abusive, although he was kind of a ladies' man. Yeah. Yeah, and he would spend a lot of time with other women, despite the fact that he had a wife. And although Nanny didn't actually realize this for a while, she, because she was busy caring for her mother. Mm-hmm. Because in January of 1953, Nanny's mother, Louisa, was a widow because James had passed away. Mm. And Louisa went to live with her. Yep. Louisa didn't survive long while being in Nanny's care, Dale. Nope. Just a couple of days after she moved in, Louisa started experiencing a lot of stomach cramps. Yep. And this was due to the poison that was she was being fed. You know, she she uh she done this to so many people. You know, and it's talking about, you know, like cramps and the the abdominal pain and stuff and a lot of us from coffee or this uh prune pies that she made she was making some prune pies and i don't know about you but she wouldn't kill me because i'm not i don't drink coffee and i damn sure ain't eating no prunes no but that prune and apple pie just <laughs> i don't just don't sound good to me at all mm-hmm. all right sorry I just put that up there. yeah and it was after her mother died that nanny finally realized that her fourth husband was not the man that she thought he was no he wasn't the perfect man he was gone you know he would leave and go back you know be gone for a while and come back but he'd always bring her gifts and stuff you know, and at first it was okay, then it got to be longer and longer, and then she, uh, I think she went one time to get her hair done somewhere, and while she was in the, the beauty parlor, she learned that he had a whole lot of girlfriends, and he was buying them all these same gifts and having them yeah. those. Boy, you know, that really pissed her off. Mm-hmm. So she decided so that Richard... He had to go. Need to go. So Richard mysteriously died on the 19th of May in 1953. Mm-hmm. And just two months after Richard was murdered, Nanny was 48 years old and married once more. Two months. Yeah, two months. And this was husband number five. And his name was Samuel Doss. Samuel Doss. Yep. Officially making Nanny, well, changed her name to Nanny Doss, what she, you know, what she went by. Right. What we was calling her in this episode. Yeah. But Samuel was from Tulsa, Oklahoma. And he had recently lost his wife and nine children after they were killed in a tornado in Arkansas. Yeah, awful. Yep. Reminds me of these uh, tornadoes we just had that came through Kentucky and yeah. tore that place all to hell. Crazy. Yep. But he was grieving, and he was lonely, so he wanted to find someone that he could spend his life with, and in comes Nanny. Here she comes. I got you, boy. I got I got <laughs> you right here. I got you some prune. <laughs> apple pie and if you want some cookies hook you up yep but he was smitten and fell head over heels for her Mm -hmm. and uh samuel regularly went to church yeah i think he was like a highway inspector and also a part-time preacher or something yeah yeah yeah. Mm -hmm. but he was described as being a good and decent man Mm -hmm. but very very different from nanny's previous husbands yeah he didn't drink stuff but uh he was pretty tight on the money 
Yeah. And uh, he he thought her magazines were stupid. He didn't like it. he didn't like her reading them romance magazines and didn't want her watching TV. And he thought TV, this was in I guess this was when TV was hitting its prime. Yeah, just coming in and she didn't want her, her he didn't want her watching her programs is what she said and then <laughs> pissing her off and so things are fixed to go south. Yeah. So I think uh, I think actually she had left for a while. And uh, she told him, said, look, he, he, you know, wanted her to come back. said, listen, you're going to have to open up the purse strings a little bit and add me to your bank account. And we got to get some life insurance and stuff. You just can't, you can't, I can't live like this. Yeah. So he brought her back and put her on the, on the bank accounts and got a couple life insurance policies for her. And, put her as a sole beneficiary. Yeah. And things seem to be just, just peachy. Or prune, just pruny. Prune juicy. <laughs> But in September of 1953, Samuel Doss was diagnosed with a severe digestive infection, mm. and he was admitted into the hospital yep. for treatment, and he uh, was believed that this infection developed from nanny poisoning for around a month until early October when doctors discharged him because um, he wasn't getting any better. Yeah. Well, it was like he was he was sick, and it wasn't uh, none of the antibiotics were working, and he couldn't figure out what was going on. Mm-hmm. The doctor, you know, and, and I don't—I'm pretty sure they didn't know it was poison at the time. But he was—he probably had his his, you know, he probably thought that, but he—I'm sure it didn't come up as far as you know, are you poisoning him? But you know, that's he finally he did finally make a recovery, and then uh, went home. Yeah, but yeah. Guess what? She put some arsenic into his coffee. Yeah, hammer down. Yep. She wasn't playing around no more. Nope. She it wasn't no little little dose here to kill yourself while you're sipping on your coffee. She she loaded her down in this coffee. But I think this one would be Nanny's downfall. Yeah, oh definitely. Because as soon as uh, Samuel's doctors heard about this sudden death, they ordered an autopsy. Mm-hmm. It wasn't even a week after he's out of the hospital. She gave him his coffee and it killed him dead in hell right there. I mean. It was, it was that yeah. night. It wasn't no agonizing thing. It just killed him. Yeah, and they found out that it was arsenic. And uh, he ordered a, an autopsy right then. Yep. You know, and they went to her and asked her, and, and she said, sure. She signed off on it. You know, she, oh, yeah. Yeah, she gave him permission because she's like, well, hell, he ain't caught me yet. He ain't going to do nothing now. Mm-hmm. Sure enough. Said there was enough arsenic in there to kill a horse. God, I'm losing. Mm-hmm. So there's where you know, they pretty much got her, got her nailed down now. Yep. And that's when they contact the police about his murder. And soon they uh, they arrested her in 1954 and took her in for questioning. Mm-hmm. You know, and she denied it at first. You know, she just sat there and giggled and <laughs> say, you know, you don't think I really killed my husband, do you? And uh, you know what? What got her? They they took, they took her damn magazines away. Yeah, she was sitting there in interrogation <laughs> with her with magazine, True Romance magazine, in front of her. <laughs> they took her magazine away. And then, you know, said that one of them got to talking about ghosts and stuff and like that and got her attention and said, you know, do you believe in ghosts and stuff? And kind of got her mind wondering. He said, you know, I don't really think about ghosts as far as being scary stuff, but I think of ghosts like how many ex-husbands do you think, you're, how many ghosts are in this room with us right now mm-hmm. and seeing what's going on? And got to talking to her, got her distracted that way a little bit, and basically she started just telling on herself. Yeah. But. Only if she could get her magazine back. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, yeah. They uh, finally got her. She said, yeah. But she basically, you know, uh, admitted to killing anybody except for blood kin. She never admitted to killing like her blood kin. Like her grandbabies and stuff. Like her mom and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. I guess all these husbands don't matter. But Yeah. 
But, yeah, she wanted enough. And, it was, and then soon, soon as she admitted all, she wanted her, her magazine back. And they started questioning her about her, the death of her previous husband, Richard mm-hmm. Morton. Yeah. And when they, they did, she just giggled. Yeah. And said nothing. She just giggled and acted like she ain't done nothing. Yeah. Just sat there all cheery. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. But like I said, she denied murders of her granddaughter and uh, murders of her daughters. Right. Uh, but even though she had just confessed to taking the lives of eight human beings, she seemed to find this whole thing just hilarious. Yeah. You know, they told her you can keep lying and denying everything you've done, you know, and we'll take you to trial and push for a death penalty, or you can just tell us what really happened, and we'll try to go a little easier on you, you know. And they got her to tell them, you know, about everybody's death. And, okay, okay, okay. I'll put rat poison in the coffee. <laughs> he was a miser, man. He wouldn't let he wouldn't let me watch any of my shows on television. He wouldn't even let me. <clears throat> he wouldn't even let me run the fan at night. You know, you got to have a fan on at night, especially in hot Alabama. Yeah, well, they wasn't no AC back Man, then. Manny needed some fan. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, you got to have a fan in hot Alabama at you night. Mean, what woman can live in that kind of circumstances? Yeah, you know, my conscience is clear. Now, can I have my magazine back? Yeah. <laughs> that was her quote. And uh, she just make jokes about her dead husband. Just laugh and giggle and go on, just like oh, this is good nature, nanny. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, so it's crazy. And she said that she really didn't care that much about the life insurance. The main reason she killed all of her husbands was that all of her life she was looking for the perfect man. And that's what she told the detectives and talking about her love and her, her obsession with romance novels and magazines and how ever since she was a child she just dreamed of having the best romantic relationship. Crazy. Yeah. We ended up they didn't give her the death penalty. No, but she pled guilty to the murder of Samuel Doss, and in May of 1955, when Nanny was 50 years old, she was sentenced to life in prison. Mm-hmm. And they didn't pursue the death penalty, like you said. Yeah, the judge didn't want to. He didn't want to be the one to uh, put the first woman on death row. In, yeah, uh, in I guess in Alabama or wherever they were. Yeah, but she sure should have got it. Yeah, she should have. And then later, you know, I think when she was in prison for a while, she was kind of wishing they would have because she, she didn't like being in prison. No, because she probably didn't get her True Romance magazine and her Lonely Hearts no, articles. And, and all they'd let her do was laundry. They wouldn't ever let her work in the kitchen. Even when they I were wonder why. <laughs> even when they were shorthanded. She said, they just won't let me. I asked them, just won't let me work in the kitchen. I wonder why. Good God almighty. But she was in Oklahoma State Prison where she remained until her death. Mm-hmm. And she passed away on June second, nineteen sixty-five. She had leukemia. I think. Yes, yeah. after being transferred to the hospital wing of the prison. But she was uh, dubbed the name the Giggling Granny or the Lonely Hearts Serial Killer. Yeah, I'm sure she had a lot of names. Yeah, but you know, she she went out and was a lot easier than she was because you know that was really some pretty rough deaths that poison oh yeah but that is the story of nanny doss the giggling granny the giggling granny or the lonely heart serial killer like we said (laughs) yep all right dale that's it well donnie i guess that concludes this year don't it yeah 2021 Mm -hmm. all right bud we're gonna get out of here let's roll we want everyone to have a merry christmas and a happy new year happy new year and we want everyone to be safe be careful and always be aware of your surroundings. Because the next episode could be about you. This is The, the Crack, Crack House, House Chronicles. Chronicles.